How many of you can say, it didn't take me real long after I was saved to realize my flesh was still hanging around? Now, the first service gave me a great big hand right there. I got a big amen on that one. See, uh, your biggest enemy, and I got to be careful here. The devil is an enemy, there's, that's for sure. But if your flesh is alive and well, he's got all he needs to work with. And if your flesh is crucified, he doesn't have anything to work with. So we're all in what I'm calling today in this message, every Christian's struggle, every Christian's battle. We all battle the flesh. We are in a battle with the flesh. The Bible actually identifies three major enemies of the Christian, the world, which is against God, the flesh, opposed to God, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So we have three enemies, but I want to talk to you about the flesh today because we got to deal with it. Amen? Amen. Now, don't get uptight on me because this is going to be a positive message. I'm not going to preach at you. Some of you are going, oh, man, I wish I'd have stayed home today. No, this is a good, good word. I want to read one verse. It's up there. And Paul is going to give us the answer to the battle against the flesh. He says, but I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not. Everybody say, will not. Now, that's a guarantee. You will not do what? Carry out the desire of the flesh. So the flesh is going to have a voice until you walk in the Spirit. And when you walk in the Spirit, the flesh is mortified, subdued, muzzled, defeated, put down, shut down, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we're going to talk about every Christian's battle today. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray that as we look at the battle between the spirit and the flesh, that you will help us to get it and, Lord, to walk in what we hear. Breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, today, help me to walk in the spirit. I receive your word as the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit. Amen. Now, when you and I got saved, something wonderful happened. I mean, it, it, and it's what changed you. It's what changed me. And that is, God placed his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. He placed his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And when that happened, we were transformed. Because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of life, all right? The spirit of life. It is God's life was put in you and me. And until then, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But now when we, once we've been saved, we are alive unto God through Jesus Christ. We have literally, all of us, been everybody in here who's a Christian, been raised from the spiritual dead. Now, see, if you can't have a praise session over that, you need to check yourself out because we've all been raised from the spiritual dead. So the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us. But having done that, it did not get rid of our flesh. Now, when I say flesh, I don't mean the skin that's wrapped around your skeleton. That's not the flesh the Bible talks about. 
the, the Greek word is sarks. It's not this. It's not the epidermis. It's not this. The flesh is that fallen nature inside of all of us we inherited from Adam that is directly opposed to God. If the Spirit of God wants to do it in your life, the flesh doesn't. If the flesh wants to do it, the Spirit doesn't. Listen to what the Bible says about the battle that we are in. It says the flesh is against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. When you're being tempted by God, by the way, let me, let me add right here per this verse that when you and I fall into temptation, I guarantee you the flesh is the culprit behind it. You say, no, the devil made me do it. Flip Wilson was wrong. The devil can't make the believer do something unless we open the door. We have to agree and open the door. But now the flesh is behind every time you or I fall into any kind of sin. Say something, think something, do something, go somewhere, do whatever we know is against the will of God. I guarantee you the flesh is behind it. The Bible says the flesh is the culprit, not the devil, the flesh. Our greatest enemy is within. We have our greatest blessing within, but the flesh we will all deal with until we go to heaven. And thank God in heaven there is no more flesh, no more devil, no more world, no more dirt and grime and muck and mire. Okay? But, but until then, we're dealing with it. Listen to what James said about your flesh and mine. He said, when you're being tempted, don't say, God is tempting me. God has put this person in front of my line of sight. Though I'm married, my spouse doesn't understand me, and they do. So clearly, God understands my plight and has put them in front of me and brought them into my life. James says, don't ever say that. Don't say God is tempting me because God will never tempt you and I to sin, ever. God will always say, don't sin, get away from that sin, run from that sin, but he'll never say, go ahead, I understand. Can I have a better amen than that? Okay. And and he never tempts. God cannot be tempted with sin And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. That's talking about our flesh. So so how are we tempted? Every temptation begins this way, with our own flesh being enticed, our own desires rising up, and they rise up. If it's against the will of God, if it's something sinful, it comes up out of our flesh, and drags us or tries to drag us away. Now, that's the battle. One person wrote this about the flesh. They said, the flesh provides the tinder on which the devil's temptations can kindle. The flesh provides the wood that the devil wants to set on fire. Somebody else wrote this about the Christian life that we're in. So the spirit-led life is a life of conflict because it's a constant combat with the old ways of the flesh that continue to tempt and seduce the believer or try to. We're in a battle. We're in a battle. We're in a battle with the world, flesh, and the devil, but the flesh is the biggie. Paul explains 
how this conflict happens. He says, for the, for the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another. Do you catch that now? So when, when the flesh wants to tempt you to do something, the spirit is opposed to it. And when the spirit wants to lead you to do something good and right, the flesh is opposed to it. The flesh is opposed to everything God wants to do in your life and mine. The flesh is the enemy of everything good God wants to do. I don't know about you, but my flesh has always gotten me in trouble. Amen? That, no wonder Paul said, in me, that is in my flesh, there's no good thing. In my fl- flesh dwells no good thing. Because that fallen nature, that flesh, wants to pull us away from God. And we're in a battle with it. So when God says, I want you to this and that, I want you to start ministering, I want you to start witnessing, I want you to start praying, all the while that God is leading you to do that, the flesh is right there next to the Spirit saying, don't do that. I don't want that. Don't get up and pray. Don't get up and go to church. There's a lot of people that would be in church today, but they listen to their... Yeah? Because the flesh sets its desire against the spirit. And the spirit sets its desire against the flesh. For these are opposed to one another. So you may not do the things that you please. Paul said this. If you read the book of Romans, you come to Romans 7 and Romans 8. Romans 7 is all about the battle with the flesh. Paul is being very honest, very transparent. He says, he says man, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I don't want to do, that's the very thing I end up doing. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from the body of this death? And then he gives the answer, thanks be to God, who will deliver me through Jesus Christ our Lord. But so in chapter 7, you you read this terrible battle Paul had with the flesh. But then Romans 8, he gives the answer. There is therefore now no condemnation, Romans 8, 1, to those who are in Jesus Christ who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Means that, that, that means you've been born twice. Born once, you were walking after the flesh. But born twice, you're walking after the Spirit. So that now you've got a helper inside of you. And that helper has been given to you and to me to help us have power to witness for Jesus, to help us to change our nature. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, the old has passed away and all has become new. The Spirit of God does that. But also the Spirit of God has come to live inside of us to give us power and victory over the pull of the flesh. The only hope for escape from the flesh. Listen, you can't rehab the flesh. You can't make the flesh better. You can't change the flesh. The flesh is always going to be the flesh, and it's always going to want to do what the flesh wants to do, and that is oppose God and be the enemy of God. And and so there's only one answer for the flesh, and that is to crucify it. you got to kill it dead, crucify it. Now let me tell you something. Here's what a lot of us have to get a hold of. The Bible says that we were crucified. Paul, listen to Paul. He said, I am crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. 
That means my old nature, that flesh nature, that thing that always wants to pull me away from God, wants me to do the things that are wrong against God's will, that flesh was crucified on the cross of Christ. When Jesus was nailed to the cross, your old man, your old nature, your fallen nature, your flesh was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who died and gave himself for me. So here's the deal. My flesh, your flesh, our flesh, thank God, was nailed to a tree. Now, last time I looked, anything nailed to a cross died. Right? You don't hang up on a cross and three months later be going, boy, this is the life. I just love it up here. No, no. If you're on a cross, you're dead. It's only a matter of a couple of hours. You're dead. Our flesh, you say, well, I don't feel like it was crucified. It doesn't matter what you feel. There's a lot of things where we are to accept by faith that we don't feel. There's days I don't feel a lot of love. There's days, well, used to when I was a young Christian, I used to wake up and I didn't necessarily feel saved. The Bible told me I'm saved because I put my faith in Christ. Feelings don't, don't lead the train of my life. Feelings are the caboose. Faith is the engine. And, and, and I accept what God says. My Christian life is propelled by the engine, the fact of my salvation. I put faith in the fact that if I put my faith in Jesus Christ, I'm saved. So though we don't feel like our flesh is crucified, it's crucified with Christ. I am crucified with Christ. Can we say that together? I am crucified with Christ. I love that old song. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? And the fact is, yep. You were there. I was there. My sin put him there. All the sin of all the world, past, present, and future tense, put him there. And my flesh was there and crucified with Christ. But see, if that's going to be a daily reality for me, then I've got to learn to walk by the Spirit. How do I get victory over the flesh? By walking in the Spirit. Walking in the Spirit. Well, how do I walk in the Spirit? Paul gave six simple words. Here they are. I want you to say them with me. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how you walk in the Spirit. You walk by the Spirit by being filled with the Spirit. Listen to what he says, Ephesians 5, 18. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, read it with me, everybody. Be filled with with the Holy Spirit. Now, look how he juxtaposed two things. He says, first, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, essentially, he's comparing the two to a point. And and here's how they are the same. First of all, if you're drunk, we say you're under the influence. If you get pulled over and you've, you've been drinking, and they pull you over, and, and, and you register above where they'll let you go, 
they ticket you for a DUI. You were driving under the influence of something you put in your body. You're driving under the influence of something that is not natural and normal to you. In other words, there is a foreign substance in your body, and it's making you think different, talk different, look different, act different, walk different, drive different. And we know you've been doing it because you're going all over the road, but you think everything's fine. You're under the influence of something else. Now, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're also under the influence of something else. And the Holy Spirit makes you talk different, walk different, think different, act different. You're under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, what the Bible is telling us is, I've got a choice. I'm either going to walk in the flesh or I'm going to walk in the Spirit. There is no fence. I'm either going to walk in the flesh, live in the flesh, or I'm going to live and walk in the Spirit and be filled with the Spirit. The question is, which one do you want to be under the influence of? The flesh or the Spirit? Being filled with the Spirit doesn't cause some kind of spiritual drunkenness. That is not what I'm saying. You don't lose control of yourself when you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Matter of fact, you're never more in self-control than you are when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is filling us, we have greater self-control than at any other time in life. You say, well, where do you get that, Jeff? I'm going to read it to you. Paul says to young Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of timidity. Here's what the Holy Spirit is not. It's not a spirit that makes you timid or cowardly or fearful. Those are works of the flesh. Cowardice, timidity, and fear are works of the flesh. They are prompted by the flesh, inspired. But he has given us instead a spirit of power and of love and of self-control. You say, no, my Bible says sound mind. But see, the translators consider a sound mind to be somebody who has self-control. When you're out of control, you're out of your mind. So when the Spirit of God is filling me, then I have incredible, I can say no to habits, I can say no to the flesh, I can say no to doing things that I don't want to do, I can please God, I can walk with God, I can honor God, I can grow in grace. See, Christianity is not a list of things you cannot do. Christianity is a whole lot of things that now you can do that you couldn't do before. Say, well, I don't want to become a Christian. It's just a, a rule book of you. Thou shalt not this and that and the other. Can I inform you, Jesus did not speak in King James English. Thou shalt not this, thou shalt not that. We think Christianity is all about that, but it's not. Christianity sets us free to do the things we should and that we could not do before. I could not praise God before. I could not lift up his name before. I could not say no to sin before. I could, not, I could not walk in the Holy Spirit before. I could not reach my highest and best before. That all came to me after I was saved. Alcohol is a depressant. The Holy Spirit is a stimulant. Stimulant. 
Alcohol numbs the part of the brain that gives a person self-control and wisdom and understanding and discrimination and discernment and judgment and all the things you need to not mess up your life. Alcohol causes a person to lose control. And often with their control, they lose their honor. But being filled with the Spirit does the exact opposite. Being filled with the Spirit is a stimulant. It stimulates us to reach higher and further and better than we ever could before. I'm talking to you about the Holy Spirit God gave us today. See, see, I would have never. Look at me, Jeff Wickwire. All right, look up here. I was saved in jail as a 16-year-old kid for sale of narcotics. My life was a mess. It was a ruin. It was a wasteland. But then I just heard the gospel. And, and Jesus came into my life. And with Jesus, the Holy Spirit came into my life. And, and I had no high school. But the Holy Spirit caused me to reach higher and further and better than I ever would have on my own. So I got a bachelor's and I got a master's and I got a doctorate and I became a pastor and, and I got on radio. And all the things that God, listen, I say with Paul, I say with Paul, I am what I am by the grace of God. When the Spirit of God controls a person, it stimulates you to reach your very, very highest. Christians study Christian history all through Christian history. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit have accomplished some of the greatest and best intellectual discoveries and achievements in history. When they were filled with the Spirit, amen, he'll make you to be what you could never have been without his help, without his touch. You're one thing, and then the Spirit of God moves on you, and you are something else. So the key issue with being filled with the Spirit is not how much of the Spirit do you have, but how much of you does the Spirit have. That, that's being filled with the Spirit. Well, I get real filled on Sunday. Well, what do you do Monday through Saturday? So, so the bottom line, the whole issue of being filled is being controlled by the Holy Spirit. I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit. Because if I'm not controlled by the Holy Spirit, I'm controlled by the flesh. That's just a fact. The Holy Spirit is the only rocket fuel that takes you out of the atmosphere of this earth and the pull of this world so that you can please God in your walk. Amen. So how can I assure each and every day that I'm controlled by the Holy Spirit? How can I know? Well, this is not an exhaustive look at that topic. No doubt I'm going to deal with it again next week because we really need to get this, folks. God doesn't want us living a life of constant shame and guilt and condemnation and, well, here I am again, Lord, for the 2,000th time to repent for this one thing. That's great. He'll forgive you, but, but his higher will is that you beat that thing. Everybody say, by the Spirit. Paul said, if I, by the Spirit, put to death the deeds of the flesh, I will live. If by the Spirit, the Bible says, not by might, not by power, but by 
the Spirit. The Bible says when the enemy comes in like a flood, the, the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. The Spirit of the Lord. So let me give you two simple ways to assure that you're being controlled by the Holy Spirit. The first one, obey him. Obey him. Everybody say obey. The Bible says for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Notice that word led. Those that are led by the Spirit of God. If, if I'm being led, then I'm following something. Okay? If I say follow me and you follow me, I'm leading and you're being led. It's telling me that every day the Spirit of God wants to lead you and me and we follow he says in Ephesians 5.18, be being filled with the Holy Spirit and constantly guided by him. Led, guided. That tells me the Holy Spirit is not an it or a thing or some ethereal fog or the force. The Spirit of God is a personality. The Spirit of God is God the Spirit. And the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us and so you've got an interactive relationship here. It's not a one-way thing. We, there's an interactive relationship with every believer and the Holy Spirit. Be continually filled and guided by the Holy Spirit. So, that, so the Spirit of God prompts us and nudges us and speaks to us on a daily basis. You know what it feels like. You're, you're about to say something. He says, don't say that. Or you say something and he goes, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Forgive me, Lord. Or you're sitting there and the Spirit of God says, call that person that you've been broken from for so long. Give them a call. Or you need to forgive this person or that person. Or uh, I want you to go to the church and get involved in street witnessing. I rebuke you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> See, the Spirit of God says, go here, go there. Say this, don't say that. Pray, read the Bible. He's interactive. He's speaking. Listen to what Jesus said. When he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears from the Lord to say to you and me individually. And he will tell you what is going to come in your life. He'll tell you what is yet to come. So listen to those words. Guide you, speak to you, tell you. He will. That's interactive. He will guide you, speak to you, tell you in your heart. John the Apostle adds, as for you, the anointing, the Holy Spirit, you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need that anybody teach you, but his anointing teaches you. So you got guiding, speaking, telling, teaching. You open up that Bible. I opened up a Bible a couple of times before I was saved. I didn't hear the gospel until I was in juvenile detention center at 16. But I did open up a Bible a couple of times before that, and I, and I thought, what a dull and dead and gross book. But once I was saved, I opened up those pages and that 
Those words just jumped out at me, grabbed my heart, fed my soul. What's the difference? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he will teach you. So, so notice the interactivity here between us and the Holy Spirit. So according to the Bible, the Holy Spirit is going to guide us and speak to us. So when he does that, when we obey, then we are walking by the dictates of the Spirit and not the flesh. Amen. And I don't know about you, but when I obey the Holy Spirit, when he tells me to do something and I do it, peace floods my soul. I, I know that I'm pleasing God. It's so important. It's so crucial. So obey. Everybody say obey. Now let me finish the second one and we're done today. Are you getting anything out of this today? I want us to understand. We're we're to walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. Amen? The second way you can be assured you're filled with and controlled by the Holy Spirit is what you set your thoughts on. Set your thoughts on the things of the Spirit. Listen to what the Bible says. I tell you, we, 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 I was always told, you are what you eat. You are what you eat. That's not true. You are what you think. You are what you think. Your thoughts matter more than you can imagine. Listen to Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh, in other words, obeying the flesh, set their minds on. Do you see the connection? Set their minds on the things of the flesh. And that's never good. But those who live according to the Spirit, walking after the Spirit, set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Do you see the connection between what you walk in and what your mind is on? Do you see it? What you think about is going to decide what you walk in. This is why the first thing every day we need to set our thoughts on, our minds on, the things that please the Spirit. That means you don't get up and watch Good Morning America. Not first, not ever in my opinion, but that's totally me. Um, But no, the first thing you do is you get your mind, you set your mind. I love that word set. You set it. You set it. It's like I set a GPS. When I'm going to go somewhere, I get in my car and I punch in and I set the GPS. Here's where I want to go. And the GPS sets the direction I go through the rest of that journey. Sets the direction. I go the direction that was set when I did it first. I don't get two-thirds of the way through my journey and set the GPS. I do it first, immediately, before I leave. And if we get up in the morning, take a little time, open up the Bible, and set our minds on the things of the Spirit, the Word of God, the promises of God, the name of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the glory of Jesus, the glory of God, ministering to people, the move of God, living for God, good deeds, good things, set your mind on good stuff, then then you have set the GPS for the rest of the day. Your day will go the direction your thoughts take you. It's real quiet in here. Y'all are making me nervous. No, I can, you're thinking, I know. Paul said, but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about, everybody say think about. Think about things that please the Spirit. So notice the connection between controlled by the Spirit 
and thinking about things that please the Spirit. Those who live according to the flesh are always thinking about things the flesh prompts them to think about. All day long, they go through their day thinking about things the flesh prompts. Lustful things, fearful things, envy and jealousy. Why does that person have that? I ought to have that. I worked harder than they did. They got that nice house, nice car, nice suit, new hairdo, no hairdo, whatever. Why do they have that and I don't? That's not fair. That's not right. That's not just. Wah, wah, wah. And all day long, that rules your thoughts. No wonder you're not walking in the Spirit because the flesh is dictating what you're thinking about. Paul said, when I was a child, I thought like a child. And then thinking like a child, I spoke like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish thoughts and childish words. See, when you're a baby, it's all about you. You cry. You want everybody to jump, change your diaper, give you milk, do whatever it is you want done because you're a baby. But when you become a full-grown spiritual adult, it's not about you. It's about him. It's about others. So, so, so there, there comes a point when we've got to ditch this childish thought thinking, the, these childish thought patterns, and think about the things that please the Spirit. Paul said, finally, believers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is worthy of respect, whatever is right and confirmed by God's Word, whatever is pure and wholesome, whatever is lovely and brings peace, whatever is admirable and of good repute or reputation, if there is any excellence, anything worthy of praise, what are the next words, everybody? Think continually on these things. How do you do that? Well, I'll tell you how you start. You do it first. So I get up in the morning. I grab my coffee, which God created on the eighth day. And he said, it is good. Right? Coffee. Jehovah. Java. (laughs) I know. I'm just... Anyway, and then I go and I get in my chair and I open up, I open up that Bible because that Bible is supernatural. The Word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. Pierces the dividing asunder of joint and spirit and, and the marrows of our bones. And it discerns and exposes the thoughts and intents of our heart. And if, you, if your faith is lagging, get into the Word of God. Say, well, I don't have faith. My faith is just in trouble. Then get into the Word of God. So I need more faith and get into the Word of God because faith comes by hearing the Word of God. If your faith is weak, it's because you haven't been in the Word of God. Seven days without the Bible makes one weak. If your faith is lagging, get into the Word of God. Read about the promises made to you and to me. Get into the Word of God. Be built up in the Word of God. Build your own faith up. Do some reps on your own. Memorize some verses. And I get into that word. And when I do that, I'm setting the GPS of my day. And the the rest of my day, I'm ready for the devil, way more ready than I would have been, and for the the devil, because now I'm built up in the faith. Can we stand together today?
So don't get drunk with wine. Yeah. I don't like being out of control ever. I like being in charge of my faculties. So I get full of the Holy Spirit as much as I can. Well, Jeff, are you just trying to be spiritual for us? No. I'm trying to survive in this world and walk victoriously. And I believe Jesus when he said, you can't live by bread alone. But by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God each and every day. So how many of you can say, I want to be filled with the Spirit of God? How many want to defeat the flesh? Come on. Oh, we all do. You know, it's funny. I'm on my way to church today. The devil knows what I'm going to preach on. And man, we're going down the highway, and here comes this dude. (laughs) On a Sunday morning. And I mean, pulled in front of me. I did not feel the Holy Ghost all over me. I felt flesh. I felt flesh rise up. Wonder racing. Get around him and pull in front of him. You know, come on, guys, especially those of you with pickups. The Holy Ghost said, what are you preaching on today? I said, oh, hallelujah, glory to God. Yes. <laughs> I got the victory, didn't I, Cindy? And she'll tell on me if I don't. I, but the flesh is always there. Let's lift our hands. So is the Spirit of God. And he's with you and in you. And he's in you to give you victory over the flesh. Say with me, Lord, I give to you my battles today with that person or that place or that thing that habit I give it to you and I ask you in Jesus name help me to walk in what I heard today to walk in the spirit by obeying the Spirit, to first thing, set my mind on the things of the Spirit each and every day. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's sing a chorus. Lift your hands up. Let's let the Spirit of God touch us. Here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together lovely, all together worthy, all together wonderful to me. Thank you, Lord. So take us, Holy Spirit, and just fill us. Lift your hands and say, fill me, Holy Spirit. Help me to be filled every day. Lord, fill us in the name of Jesus. Give us fresh fire. Give us a fresh touch. Give us a fresh outpouring. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us, Lord. For who is sufficient for these things? We're not, but in you and through you and by you, we can do all things through Christ. Fill us with the Holy Spirit here today, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus. 
Give him a hand of praise today, can we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Now, next week, I'm certain I'll be on this again. Don't miss it. Bring somebody that needs it. How many of you needed this today? Really, just in a practical kind of way. Amen? Amen. Me too. Me too. Now, every life group leader in here, if you're a life leader, would you raise your hand, life group leaders? Here's several, all right? Tonight is life groups. And if you've never been to a life group, here's what it is. We meet in homes all over the Metroplex. We almost doubled life groups in 2019. Came real close to doubling our life groups. And so what we do is we get together, we have a great meal, and then we have a great spiritual meal. We worship, and you get to know one another. Another key to walking in the Spirit is fellowship. Fellowship. We need one another. So I encourage you, if you haven't been to a life group, the address is up here. Uh, They're going to show it. You go online, that's coming up. There it is. tpcfamily.org slash life group. And just, just go in there and type in your zip code and it'll show you the life group nearest you. Try it. And if you don't like it, don't go back. But you will go back because you'll like it. You will. I mean, just for the good food. Free. And it's always at least Cracker Barrel level. At least. So, Amen. Cindy is going to share a quick word with you ladies about the Heels Ladies Ministry. Speaking of fellowship, ladies, um, mark your calendars. Save the date for this year's women's conference coming up. Uh, Those of you that were here last year, you know how incredible it was. We've got an exciting one planned for this year. You're not going to want to miss it. Start letting your friends know now and family members, whoever. And the date is going to be August 28th and 29th. So be sure to put that down. Um, Get your phones out now or write it down right now. That's August 28th and 29th. Also, we're going to be doing a fundraiser. We're trying to, you know, raise funds just because we want to be able to cover everything, all the costs um, ahead of time. So we're doing a dinner and movie uh, on March 27th. So this is for adults, no children. So come out, bring your friends, bring your wife, whoever, and let's have some fun March 27th. Thank you. Amen. I feel I want to do this. We're dismissing, but if you need a fresh touch from God, I want you to come down. And even though we're dismissing, I want to lay hands on you. Uh, As long as everybody who needs to leave is free to go. But I sense the Spirit of God wants to keep on. So I I don't want to nip this when it shouldn't be. So if you want to be touched, if you need a fresh touch in your battle, then I want you to come down. Would you? Come down, and we're going to pray. So as they're going out, you come down, and we're going to pray for you down here. Father, in Jesus' name, I bless this congregation that I love in Christ. And I pray that, Lord, you'll help them to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Blessed in the storehouse and blessed in the field. Blessed in their going out and blessed in their coming in. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. You're free to go, but if you need prayer, I want you to come and let me pray for you. Come down.